Hello and welcome to the Pivot Podcast. The Pivot Podcast. Where we go episode by episode and talk all about the show Friends, the 90s, and everything in between. I'm Natalie. And I'm Tiana. Now let's pivot. Hi, everybody. We are back. Happy Wednesday. Here we are, season one, episode 11. Dang. I know. That's crazy. I know. I feel like I just did a big research project. I've got all of my notes next to me. <laughs> you, know, you got like your books all spread out. <laughs> yeah. <the> highlighters. <laughs> my highlighters, my my can of soda. Yeah, there you go. I'm ready to talk about the one with Mrs. Bing. The one with Mrs. Bing. I am so excited about this one. This is a fun one. Um, so we got a few things to talk about right off the bat here. Mm-hmm. And one of our wonderful listeners in Georgia... Miss yeah, Jamie Atlanta. Westall um, brought some stuff to your attention, T, and what was that? Huh. Yes. So essentially, Catholics can be cremated. Woo-hoo. Who knew? Um, they lifted the ban in 1963. So I don't know where I've been. It's definitely, I haven't been in church, but if you're Catholic and want to get cremated, now you can. Woohoo! Go. And then second thing, we just did a poll because we record these episodes like a week in advance, right? So our episode with uh, the one, the first Thanksgiving came out, the one where underdog got away. Underdog, not under bear. And yes, <laughs> never going to live that down. But essentially <laughs> we did a poll of Monica versus Rachel and who's got the keys. And I lost. Woo-hoo! Me and Monica lost. I am so team Rachel on this one. <laughs> I think like... I, it's a losing battle. I'm not going to win that one. It definitely, Monica, like, it was a statement. It was. I mean, I think they made it, like, ambiguous enough to where you're like, eh. But I think it to actually be able to say, okay, this is a question. There's no inflection. I know. It's just not there. I just felt bad because Monica was doing everything already. And then, Yeah. Everything, all of the, all of the, the, the potatoes. potatoes, which I asked my brother, I think he okayed uh, tots at next year's Thanksgiving. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. Robert, you are only allowed tots if you don't <laughs> stage a Thanksgiving coup. Um. Okay. My materials I brought today. So I was gifted Matthew Perry's memoir from oh, my stepmom. Shout out Chrissy. So great. Yeah. So. I think if you're a fan of the show, you know that Matthew Perry wrote a memoir. He has struggled greatly with addiction to drugs and alcohol, Mm -hmm. opiates specifically and alcohol. Yep. Um, So I'm about halfway through and there's so much interesting stuff that like I'm trying to wrap my brain about so I can get like an intelligent thought stream going. But essentially he, when he grew up, his parents divorced and very quickly he started drinking at like 14. Whoa. His drink of choice is a vodka tonic, which is what his dad's drink of choice was. Interesting. There's a lot to unpack there about why I'm sure. So much to unpack and so much in the book that we don't have time to cover. But if you guys <laughs> just go read it, it's very, very informative, heartbreaking. And if you love the show, you love Chandler, you'll get a lot out of it. But when it comes to the show Friends... We'll skip past the psychoanalyst of Matthew Perry. But when it comes to the show, he had gotten picked up during pilot season in 1994 for a show like LAX 2194. And it's basically a show about baggage handlers in the future. 
terrible idea. Oh my God, that sounds awful. Right. But then there was this show called Friends Like Us. There was Mm -hmm. this script floating around and it was actually, you know how some people say like we didn't know what was going to be a hit? Everyone in Hollywood wanted this audition for Friends Like Us. Oh, interesting. So he got a hold of the script and immediately identified with the character Chandler, which we know. Mm -hmm. And just with some background with him, when he grew up, he was from Canada, Canada, Ottawa, Canada. Oh, I don't think I knew that. Yeah. I didn't know he was Canadian. Mm-hmm. Um, don't you know? But he had these two friends and they would talk in the Chandler voice. So the way that Chandler, the way that Matthew Perry voices Chandler in the show was how he had talked with his friends growing up, emphasizing the weird, the odd let, the odd word in a sentence. Like, could I be more excited? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So he gets the script. He's like, oh my gosh, like this character Chandler is me. I am Chandler. And so he <laughs> begs his agents to get him an audition. They say no, because you're tied to this baggage handler. Oh, uh, God. Show. So he, all of his friends end up auditioning for the role and they end up reading the lines with him. Like a lot of his friends read the lines with Chandler with, with Matthew Perry. Um, also, side note to this, Hank Azaria, who mm-hmm. we just talked about, Hank Azaria auditioned twice for the role of Joey. <gasps> that would be no it just it right would never be the same yeah Mm-mm. so in hank azaria was in matthew perry's group when he was in hollywood at the very beginning when he um, immigrated over he became really good friends with hank azaria that's when hank azaria started doing the simpsons so oh. they had this group that would hang out and party and hank azaria was part of it wow so fast forward, Chandler, Chandler, I just call him Chandler. Matthew Perry is working with his friends. He's basically memorized the script at this point. He's giving his friends pointers on how to play Chandler. He has one friend who got the show, but he had also gotten another show. I think it was called like Best Friends and he w- was up to for the lead. So his friend turned down the role. He finally got released from the bag handler, baggage handler show and went into audition and it was like magic. Oh yeah. So he got the, he got the part he knew. Um, he knew it too. He was super, super confident because Chandler is Matthew Perry. Matthew Perry is Chandler. Um, <laughs> and then just some other fun things about the show. We all know David Schwimmer. He told them that they should negotiate their contracts all together so that they all got paid the exact same amount. Loved that so much when I heard that. So smart. Um, Matthew Perry also had a huge crush on Jennifer Aniston. Yep. Who wouldn't? I know. Who wouldn't? Um, And Jennifer Aniston was the only one that he knew before. He had heard about Lisa Kudrow, and it was interesting. You know how we talked about how there's not many bloopers for this first season? Yeah. He talks about that and how they all wanted to do so good for the show. They didn't mess up. Oh, they didn't fuck up at all. And so he's like, that's why there are not very many bloopers, especially that first season. We didn't want to fuck around. So fuck around and find out. So (laughs) because Lisa Kudrow actually was fired from a show after um, the table read by James Burroughs. It was another. Stop. Yes, it was. It was a James Burroughs show that Lisa Kudrow was filmed. Oh, it was Frasier. (gasps) What? I think. I'll have to go back and read. Okay. But yeah, the fact that she was fired after the table read. So it was like they were all wanting to do really, really well for oh the show. Oh, my gosh. And, um, and they did. And it was interesting. He talked about how 
you know, Matt LeBlanc was always on time. And then Jennifer Anderson was always last. That's so funny. That <laughs> seems on brand for Jennifer Aniston, but I don't know. I I, I was surprised. I didn't find Matt LeBlanc to be a timely, on t- timely man. No, I would say if anything, it would be David Schwimmer would be yeah. always on time. Yeah. Um, and he's like, the, the order stayed the same when they have the arrival, but the cars were different. <laughs> um, the cars got better. Something else that I thought was super interesting was how, when they first started recording or um, the show, Matt LeBonk's character, Joey, was like the least well-defined. And I think we see that. I think so, too. He Because essentially, like, Matt LeBonk struggled with his character because he's like, Rachel, Phoebe, and Monica would never be friends with this guy. No. He was a total womanizer, like... Exactly. And there's there's an episode later on that we will get to pretty soon where Monica's telling Joey, like, be there for her because Joey can't have sex because of a science experiment that he's partaking in. And so she's like, be there for her. And so that's when they kind of change the relationship to Joey with everyone else of being like the lovable dumb brother rather than the hot misogynistic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty but dumb. Pretty but dumb. Um, Okay. The last piece that I want to chat about and then we can move on. Just please like, I encourage, I'll give you the book. It's so good. There's so many tidbits. Um, It goes between just his struggles, his sobriety moments. Like he just goes through it. Like he has demons as does everyone with addiction. It is a huge, huge problem. Um, But essentially he talked about how they all, six of the friends had their seasons where they were popular. First one was, can you guess? Ooh. It's like, when they might have won an Emmy or like when this audience was really into them. It was just like, when was the hype meter high for the characters? Season one was, I would say Monica or Mm-mm. Lisa Kudrow. It's uh Ross, David Schwimmer. Is it? Okay. I could see that mm-hmm. too. Even though he's whiny, like he is a big player in the first season. Yeah. Lisa Kudrow season two. Okay. Mm-hmm. I see I think that two and three. And then um, Courtney Cox and Matthew Perry were together in like their five, six, no, four, five. Four, five. Mm hmm. Jennifer Aniston, no, Jennifer Aniston, four, five, six, seven, seven, eight. I yep. can't do math. I know. <laughs> I should open the book. Seven, eight. And then Matt LeBlanc was nine, ten. Yep. And he talks about how Matt LeBlanc was like the best, most improved friend. Absolutely. Because at the beginning, Matt LeBlanc would come to Matt Perry and be like, how do I run my lines? How would I say this? And then he said, by the end of this series, Matt Perry would go to Matt Blanc and be like, Matt Blanc, Matt LeBlanc, and say (laughs) like, how do I run these lines? Aww. Isn't that cute? That is really cute. He grew up. Yes. Okay. I know I said last thing, but the last, last thing. (laughs) When they started... Um, Courtney Cox was the only one that was kind of relative at the time. She had just finished Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. Oh, I was wondering where it was in that like line with mm-hmm. Ace Ventura because like she, obviously she was like a main character in that. I love that movie too. Oh, I know. So, okay. So 
she finishes Ace Ventura and then she goes right into Friends. Yes. So she's already kind of a, not a household name, but she is known. She's popular. She's been in a movie with Jim Carrey. And so essentially she was the only quote unquote kind of famous one. Mm-hmm. And she sat them all down and she, she had done a lot of um, rounds on sitcoms and she had been on Seinfeld. So she sat them all down their first day of lunch and she's like, you guys, this is go- not going to work unless we are friends. We all have to be friends. And so they legitimately formed friendships. And he said that Courtney Cox could have easily, easily said, this is, I'm the star. I'm the biggest. I just did the movie, th- uh, movie with Jim Carrey. Like you all can go fuck off. But she <laughs> said like, we've got to form relationships. And so they would do everything together. He said they were barely in their dressing rooms because they were always together. Oh, that's kind of cute. There's so many more. I could go on and on, but I won't. Because I know we actually have an episode to review here, but we do. But here's what we'll do maybe is after you're done reading it, I will read it too. Mm-hmm. And maybe we can go over some more of those details because it sounds yeah. like there's just so much like really good nuggets of stuff in there. So, so many good nuggets. I'm trying to think that my last thoughts with the book is just it really will give you an eye into addiction, into mm-hmm. how friends did save his life. Oh my gosh. And just the ups and downs. And you can tell like, when he's filming, when he's skinny, he's on pills. Mm-hmm. When he has gained weight, he's, he's on, on alcohol. alcohol. And so it fluctuates. And that's, it's super telling between, I think, seasons, what, five and six, the Monica Chandler proposal. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Those two are really, really big differences. Yeah. Okay, I'll finish it and I'll give it to you. <laughs> Cannot wait. Yeah. Well, this episode, the one with Mrs. Bing. Our writer mm-hmm. is Alexa Young, mm-hmm. and our director are Lisa Kudrow, Firer, James Burroughs. Who's Ch- uh, Chandler? Matthew Perry calls him Jimmy Burroughs. So he's Aww. a James that goes by a Jimmy. Okay, I, I can dig that. Jimmy Burroughs. Jimmy Burroughs. Original air date is January 5th, 1995. Here we go. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Handmade goods are becoming more and more rare these days. You can support our newest sponsor, the Stitch Sisters, and keep handmade artisans thriving. The Stitch Sisters crochet handmade goods, anything from beanies and headbands to Christmas ornaments. Check them out at Etsy at the Stitch Sisters store or find them on Instagram at Stitch Sisters store. Okay, we're back. Let's get into the episode recap. So got some storylines here. It's kind of guys and girls, I guess you could say, with a little little mix mix in here and there, gender-wise. But first main storyline is Phoebe and Monica. The episode opens with Monica and Phoebe walking down the street, and they see a handsome guy at the newsstand. Um, and I love this quote. Monica's like, Phoebe, turn around. There's a guy who's going to break our hearts and plunge us into a pit of depression. Such a good quote. I know. I had to like write it down. I was like, that's so good. I would never think of something like that on my own. No, absolutely not. It was super creative. Yeah. So Phoebe's like, we should whistle. And Monica is like, no. And and Phoebe just nudges her. And she's like, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. It's the weirdest sound. Oh, it's the weirdest sound. It was kind of like a car mixed with a horn and a a human sound. I don't know. It's just not the sound you want to make when you're trying to like. Yeah, why didn't cat call? I guess why didn't she whistle like a like a cute little? I don't know. It was just yeah. Maybe maybe Courtney Cox can't whistle, and that was the closest that she could get to. Oh my god. Okay, can we put that on our list That's of things to guess. Google? Yes. Okay. Okay. So then, handsome man turns around, and boom, he gets hit by an ambulance, and it plunges him into a coma. Poor guy. I know. So our coma guy is actually David 
Cedarholm, I think is how you Cedarholm. say it. Cedarholm. Cedarholm. Um, so he's actually best known for The Hunt for Red October from 1990. Have you seen that movie? I love that movie. So good. It is a really good movie. It's been a long time since I've seen it, but like, I just remember filmmaking greatness. Oh, yeah. Right there. It, that was a really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the Prowler from 1981. Don't know what that is. Have not seen that. And Ryan's Hope in 1975. Definitely don't know that. Definitely haven't seen that one either. Um, so among his TV and film credits are Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Favorite of I mine. I did watch that, but I don't remember Coma Guy. I don't remember Coma Guy. Who knows? He probably just has some small part in it. Yeah. Who, who knows? And then Married with Children and mm. Frasier. Okay. So some of the big hitters. Some sitcom circuits. Mm-hmm. Cool. David well, Cedarholm, welcome. Sexy coma guy. <laughs> so they follow him to the hospital and they try to guess his name. Monica says that he looks smart and could be a lawyer, which I could totally see. He's got like those lawyer looks with the hair. I think it's the hair it's and the, the chair. Hair. Yeah. Right? It's very like he's very clean cut and he's got like this like swoopy hair. Yeah. I don't know how swoopy. <laughs> swoopy. Um, and Phoebe says he's artistic though because he has dents in his knuckles, which I don't. Is that a thing? I don't know if that's a thing. I don't know. Monica then decides he's a lawyer who teaches sculpting on the side and he can dance. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Which is there's nothing sexier than a man that can dance. Mm, a man who can cook. <laughs> if you had to pick a man who could cook or a man who could dance. Oh. That's a hard one, honestly, because I think dance moves are really, like I would say like logistically, a man that can cook because then that would take the pressure off of me. But like going to a wedding with a guy that can dance is pretty fucking hot. Yeah, that's true. And then he could be a really good dancer in the kitchen while he cooks. We just need the whole package, guys. That's that's all we want. I know. Can we just have that? (sighs) Um, Phoebe's then follows up like, He's not the guy, like, he will listen to you while you're talking. He's not just going to wonder what you look like naked. Which, have you seen that look when you're talking to guys? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. yeah. I, at college, not my husband, but I have huh? had guys, like, literally looking at me and do, like, the up-down. Oh, yeah. And I'm just like, do you hear the words coming out of my mouth right now? There are some consistent men in my life that, I'm not going to say where, because that might give too big of a hint of like who they are, but like consistently in conversations, you see the eyes going from your eyes down to your boobs and you're just like, hello, I'm right. I can see you. Like, do you think you're like so quick? Like, Remember when Joey's doing the card game trick and he's like, I'm so fast. You can't see like, maybe that's what I'm just, it's just blows my mind. Maybe it's involuntary. Like, I know I'm shorter than you, but like, come on. It's pathetic. It really is. Get it together, guys. (laughs) So while they wait for Coma Guy to wake up, Monica and Phoebe keep visiting him in the hospital. They read him the newspaper, bring him flowers and balloons. Monica knits a sweater very quickly. That's my first thought is like, nope, there's no way she made that in less than 24 hours. But that's just me. (laughs) As our residential knitter. Yes. Not happening. Crocheter. But there's a difference. There is a difference. Knitting is with. Two Two needles. needles. And I'm terrible at knitting. Crocheting was with the one One needle. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. So they sing. Phoebe sings. Monica changes his pajamas, which I don't know logistically if that would actually happen in the hospital. I don't think so. I think you'd be in like a gown. Would you not? Yeah. 
And then they shave him. Ugh. Sorry. I don't, I, I don't like a guy ever enough to do that. No, I no. This this storyline is weird for me a little bit. It it gives me a little bit of the ick because I'm just like, uh no. Yeah. A little little bit of the ickies. <laughs> this is funny though when they're guessing his name. I think they say like Glenn, that's not special enough. Right. And then Phoebe suggests Agamemnon, Agamemnon. as a name. Jeez Louise, Phoebe. Monica's like, that's way too special. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck is Agamemnon? So um, did some Googling, of course. Agamemnon was the king of Mycenae. Mycenae? How the fuck do you say that? Mycenae, and he fought against Troy, and according to Greek mythology, was murdered by his wife's lover after returning to Greece. Oh, well, then we really don't want him to be named Agamemnon. <laughs> I know. Maybe they didn't know who he was. Maybe. <laughs> That's okay. So eventually, Komagai, or, or excuse me, eventually they turn competitive about who's spending more time with Komagai, naturally. Mm-hmm. And later on uh, that night, Phoebe's at the coffee house. She's mid-song, and Monica rushes out to go hang out with Agamemnon. <laughs> Agamemnon Glenn. Agamemnon Glenn, sexy coma guy. <laughs> so they find they both run to the hospital and they find out that he's uh, awake. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. He's super nonchalant. And he's like, well, great. I'll see you around. Yeah. Weird. The whole thing is just weird. They're both pissed because they got nothing back after giving and giving and giving. According to them. Sounds like a typical female problem. <laughs> just saying. Been there, done that. So that's our first storyline. Next major storyline is Chandler Ross. I threw Joey in there just because he does have a pretty pivotal part, but he does. Yeah. So when um, we're in the apartment at the beginning, Chandler's mom, Mrs. Norabing, is mm-hmm. on Jay Leno. Oh my gosh. And classic Jay Leno. I loved the, seeing him in this. I mean, obviously, this was made for friends. So, yeah. but. Oh, I'm just like, oh, Jay Leno. I know. Did you see what happened to Jay Leno recently? No. What happened? So he was like working on one of his cars, tinkering away, and something happened, but he basically was engulfed in flames. Like <gasps> something sparked up, engulfed him in flames, and his the so his friend who was there working with him patted him out, and he was like rushed to the hospital and had to get like reconstructive surgery <gasps> on his like face, his skin, because he had like major third degree burns holy crap i did not hear any of this i thought you were gonna say like like one of his cars like rolled over him or something like (laughs) a little less bad oh yeah i don't know what happened but the car explode it didn't explode but something exploded in the car and his face caught on fire oh no jay leno i know okay sending you our thoughts jay leno he's better now he he said his face looks better now than it did before okay So while Chandler's mom is on Jay Leno, we learn that Rachel is a huge fan. And then uh, Rigatoni Paolo, Ross's words, not mine, is back, from, is back from Rome. I know. It, Ross, okay, second thing, pausing with the book. Mm-hmm. He did say, aside from Matthew Perry pitching the most jokes, uh, David Schwimmer pitched the next. Ah, He's the secret comedian, I'm telling you. like he's a, yeah. He's flying under the radar a little bit until this rewatch. I'm just like, oh. David Schwimmer, I see you. Yeah, he's got he's got game. He's mm-hmm. high in the power rankings. You know, he's they're all making the same amount of money. He was pitching the jokes. So, um, Paolo, he comes in. He's like, ah, Nora Bing. <laughs> Even Paolo recognizes Nora Bing. 
amazing. You did such a good Paolo impression just now. That was good. Yeah. Like, not a thing. I'm going to miss Paolo. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Very soon. So while watching Jay Leno, they learn that she's coming to New York for a book tour and she's going to see Chandler. <laughs> and, and she also mentions that she bought him his first condoms. Oh, my gosh. What's so funny, though, when I was rewatching this, it was like, he doesn't deny it. And like, no, maybe in real life it would have been like, oh, she just says that to be funny or something. And he's just like, no, my mother actually true. Yeah. So she gets to town and she takes all the friends to a Mexican restaurant. She orders shots. And first Ross passes on the shots. But then Rachel shows up with Paolo. They're, you know, super lovey dovey and uh, possibly a little post coital. Did you yes. I caught that a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like they're always post-coital. Well, you know, when you can't really connect on anything because you're dating somebody who's an idiot. A hot idiot. A hot idiot. So then Ross is like, give me the shots. Nora being across the table, she does observe this and she notices after Ross is like pining after Rachel at the table. I always thought, how is Nora being the only person noticing this at the table? I know. Like... like I never understood how Monica never caught on. Did she never catch on, though? Or maybe she's just choosing not to catch on? At this point in the show, she has not caught on. Yeah. Yeah. There's no there's no conversation that's been had so far where she would have like yeah. been aware. The guys have, though, obviously. Totally. Yeah. So Ross leaves the table. He can't take it anymore. He goes to the bathroom. And he, when he comes out, Nora is at the payphone checking her messages. Um, Ross, She calls Ross out for Rachel, the Italian hand looker at the table. And <laughs> she tries to te- cheer him up by saying that she can't sell a Paolo. Like, Paolo won't sell books. He's more of a secondary character. He's not a hero. You end up killing off that. Con- like, uh, He's a it- complication. complication. You eventually kill off. Yes, I... That was such a sweet, comforting moment. I love that. But when he first comes out of the bathroom, oh my gosh, that comedic timing of like the woman coming out to him. Oh, yeah. He's like, wait a second, wait. Did I just, he, he comes w- out of the women's bathroom. He went into the women's bathroom. That was so good. But yeah, I really love um, Nora here. She's just she's so good. She's good, and she's a hot. She's a hot mom. I mean, oh yeah, you can't. I, she's definitely milf milf material for sure. Absolutely. Um, she tells Ross like Ross is the hero. He is smart. He's sexy, and then oh, she leans in and they kiss. Oh no, <laughs> no. I mean. Yeah, complication. Joey walks in. Then he sees them. And immediately walks out. He's like, "I'll just pee in the street." <laughs> Great one line. I know. Good comedic timing. So Ross is a cult, uh, you know, committed to sin. He yeah. goes over to Joey and Chandler's apartment the next day. And Joey's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta tell him you broke bro code. You don't kiss your friend's mom. Yeah. It's very Stacy's mom of you there, Ross. I'll put the opposite way. Stacy's mom is about like the guy liking his girlfriend's mom. Oh, this is true. Which is also fucked up. Yeah. Any mother that gets with her daughter's boyfriend, whatever, fucked up. Absolutely. You deserve to burn. You deserve to burn. Don't. There's a special circle for you in hell. (laughs) So Joey's like, how could you let this happen? I love this little interlude. Joey's like, how could you let this happen, Ross? And Ross is like, she's smart and sexy. And Joey's like, you don't think my mom is sexy? 
this is so funny. This whole interface between them is just like, whoa, when were we talking about your mom, Joey? Yeah. <laughs> Mrs. Tribbiani. Um, so, yeah. It's just funny. Joey's like, dude, you got to tell him. Yep. Good for you, Joey. I know, right? So Ross uh, does tell Chandler that he kissed his mom after first saying it was Paolo. I'm like, why even go there? Chandler's pissed and says out of all of his friends, no one knows the crap he goes through with his mom more than him. That broke my heart. That did break my heart. Because it's true. I know. They're best friends. You don't do that. So Chandler leaves, slams the door, followed by Joey. Yep. They're all pissed. Later on that night... Chandler comes to the coffee house, still pissed at Ross. And Chandler describes his mom as a Freudian nightmare. (laughs) Oh, that was such a good line, too, which is funny because earlier this season, we just saw a whole thing with Joey and playing Freud. Freud. It's Freud. It's not just Freud. It's Freud. Freud. I know. So Chandler describes his mom, like I said, Freudian nightmare. Ross is like, you got to talk to her. Like, it's not good to have all of these feelings against your mom. You got to talk to her. Back at their apartment, uh, Chandler is with his mom. Nora is saying goodbye later that night. And he finally cr- confronts her. Kiss my best Ross. So cute. I know. My Ross, not your Ross. They have a long conversation and Chandler puts it all out on the table. They, The convo goes awful, but to be expected with Chandler. Well, yeah. He's not good at the feelers. No, he's just not. So... um. Ross passes Nora as she leaves in the hallway, which is super funny and awkward. And then Chandler does forgive Ross. Sweet. Because it's his best Ross. I know. It's it's so hard to confront your parents about anything. It's like that moment where like you become the parent and parent your parents. Yeah, but then it feels really uncomfortable because you're not supposed to be parenting your parents. Oh, It's like that first time you have to see them as people. Like your parents are people. They have their own problems. They make their own mistakes. And you're just like sitting there shaking your head like... What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Parents are people too. Parents are people too. <laughs> Put that on a shirt. Yes, I will. <laughs> okay. Last little storyline here is Rachel. And I, this might be my favorite just like storyline in, in this episode. Mm-hmm. But Rachel is a big admirer of Nora. And Rachel tries to write her own erotic novel. Oh my God. <laughs> But as it turns out, she's not a good speller. She's not a good typist. And it's a total failure. She gives the group like her first manuscript or what have you. And they totally mock. They're like just mocking her attempts at trying to be sexy. (laughs) What's a niffle? What's a niffle? Like you can usually find them on the heaving beast. Like she just (laughs) is just a non-starter from there. Um, But I thought this was funny. A recipe for an erotic novel. Yes. Half Half a dozen European cities. Throw in 30 euphemisms for male genitalia and bam, you've got yourself a book. That's a lot of euphemisms. For a male genit. I don't think I could come up with 30. I don't think I could either. But maybe it's just like his huge throbbing pens. His pens. Rachel. Careful with writing with those. I know. I mean, yeah, that would be kind of hard. Have you ever read an erotic novel? Other than Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> That's the only one that I've read. I've yeah. read I think I read all of them. Yep, I did read all of them, but that's it. Yeah, I haven't read like a true like Daniel Daniel Steele novel kind of thing. Is that who writes those? I think so. I've heard it's called smut, which I think <laughs> stands for sexual material under text. Oh, 
Or smut. What does, I think it, I think it's smut. Are we going to Google? We're going to Google in real time, everybody, because we got to know right now. I like it. Sexual, vulgar material. I think it is sexual material under smut. Under smut, under text. (laughs) I don't know. It's not my favorite books, but I will say like whenever I'll read like a Colleen Hoover book or something else, I'm like, when they get sexy, I like it. Well, yeah. Who doesn't like a good like classy sex scene? I know. But 30 euphemisms for male genitalia, that is a task. That's so many. I know. So we talked a little bit about Coma Guy, but Mm -hmm. the other big guest is Morgan Fairchild. Nora Bing. Nora Bing, who plays Nora Tyler Bing. So now, who is Morgan Fairchild? So Morgan Fairchild, if we have any listeners here who are maybe a little older than us, she was huge on Dallas. Mm -hmm. So she was um, actually... Born Patsy Ann McClenny. I would change my name too. Holy That's crap. Terrible. Yes, I would. Um, she was born in Dallas, actually. She screams Dallas. Oh my gosh, the big hair. Like, yeah, she's the big jewelry, the huge earrings. Like, big she boobs. owned Dallas. Blonde hair. Um, so she began acting as a as a child. Um, this is interesting though. When her mother enrolled her in drama lessons after she was, she was too shy to read a book report. So it's not like I've been there, (laughs) right? I hate public speaking, but it's, it wasn't because she wanted her to become an actress. It was more because she was too afraid to, she's too shy. Yeah. So from the age of 10, she performed in children's and dinner theater and stock productions in Dallas. Interesting. And then obviously one of her most popular roles was from the original Jenna Wade on Dallas. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but in addition to her compliment, accomplishments as an actress she's also a very outspoken and dedicated supporter for AIDS research um, the pro-choice movement and a great range of environmental issues among others go Morgan she's super political I was I was googling she's got like her own website like she's an accomplished lady hell yeah you go girl um, she actually stated that she would have wanted to become a paleontologist had acting not panned out that is so like is meta what the kids say? I, these I was going to say like, meta. So meta. Like, she wants to be a paleontologist. She's in Friends. Ross is a paleontologist. She kisses Ross. Like, it's all connected. Six degrees of separation. We're just in a simulation. <laughs> it's all the matrix. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, that's Morgan Fairchild. Yeah. We got some other fun little random things, little connections from this episode. Did you catch? I didn't catch this. I caught this in my in my research for the episode and then went back and looked. Monica and Phoebe are walking down the street and you can see Joey's VD poster from the <gasps> one where Underdog gets away. No! It's really far in the back. Oh my God. Okay. I will have to go back and watch that because I did yeah. not catch that at all. That's awesome. It's like the first 10 seconds. Yes. Um. Okay. Other th- aspect. Have you seen the movie While You Were Sleeping? Yes. I love that movie. It's That's- a very good movie. Sandy Bullock. Who's uh, the guy in it? Oh, he's from Casper. Um. Good God, I, I'm going to have to look because I can't butcher this. Um, I really want to say Bill Pullman. I'll, okay, so you look at that. But essentially, if you haven't seen While You Were Sleeping, it's about a woman saving a man who fell on the tracks of a Chicago subway. And she ends up visiting the man who's in a coma. And she like falls in love with... Who does she fall in love with? One of his brothers or one of his family members? Because she doesn't fall in love with him. She doesn't fall in love. It is Bill Pullman. I'm nice right. job. Heck, yeah, man. Um, so 
let's see. Um, so it's like it's like her crush that she sees yes. every day, and she just like never acts on it. And then he falls, and she saves him. So it's Peter Gallagher is the one who is in the coma. Okay, eyebrows. Okay, um, okay, and eyebrows. <laughs> Dude, if you don't know who Peter Gallagher is it, and you look him up, you'll know exactly what I mean when I say eyebrows. Um, oh, yeah, eyebrows. But Bill Pullman is his brother, and they're mm. the ones who fall in love when she's like coming every day because his family thinks that she's his fiance. Mm. Okay, who would you rather, Bill Pullman or Peter Gallagher? Bill Pullman. Really? Oh, I yeah. feel like, I think I'd go eyebrows. Really? Yeah, I think I think Peter Gallagher has aged better than Bill Pullman. Oh, are you looking at age pick? But I'm going off of like... You're going off of real life. I'm going off of like while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping. Peter Gallagher looks like a fuckboy. Bill Pullman (laughs) looks like he would be making me food at home. See, I think that's why. That's why you like go with Bill Pullman. He would be the man making me food. He might not have the dance moves, but he's making me the food in the kitchen. Yes. Hey, Bill Pullman still has good hair. He's got... I'm look The face, the one I'm looking at, he's got some good sexy facial hair. Yeah. He's in, oh, he's in Independence Day Spaceballs. He's mm-hmm. like the 90s guy. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. I forgot he was in Independence Day. He's he's a big part in Independence Day too, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah. So while you were sleeping, I, while you were sleeping, did it better than friends. Let's just call a spade a spade. <laughs> no kidding, right? <laughs> um, also... The interesting thing about the when Monica and Phoebe are taking care of the unconscious man, the song My Eye is Coming. Now I'm really paying attention to music. Yes. Like and their music choices. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. So this song, another 90s movie, one of my favorites is Sister Act with Whoopi Goldberg. I don't think I've actually fully seen it. Like I know oh. I've seen parts of it, but I don't think I've fully seen it. I'm obsessed with that movie. We used to watch it like every day in the summer, mm-hmm. not exaggerating. <laughs> How old were you? Uh, I don't know, like eight, seven yeah. or eight. But the song, My Guy, Whoopi Goldberg sings in the beginning. She's a lounge singer in Reno. And she later, spoiler alert, goes undercover um, <laughs> as a nun and gets hidden in like Witsec oh, in witness okay. protection. And she turns this choir and and this uh church like big or whatever and she turns the song my guy into my god and so all the nuns are like nothing you can say to tear me away from my god that's genius so when i heard that i was like sister act (laughs) love it i mean let's get into joey sandwich rating what do you think We've talked a little bit about the storylines, but like this episode has some good connections, really good guest star. Oh my gosh, huge. Morgan Fairchild is amazing. I think that I'm not a huge fan of that storyline with the coma guy. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I don't know, I just don't, it's weird to me, but that's just because I would never do that. But it yeah. does bring like a comedic element to it with the competition between Monica and Phoebe. Yeah. And there's a lot of like deep character development, especially with the friendship between Chandler and Ross, which is really Mm -hmm. sweet. So it's not a great episode in my opinion, but I think it's a solid three. Yeah. It's not a bad episode. I would give it a three as well. There are Mm -hmm. some really good one-liners, I think, and Morgan Fairchild definitely brings it to a three. Oh, yeah. She's, She's class all the way. Yeah. Love her. All right, so let's take a quick break. We'll get into our bloopers and blenders next. Moo. 
And we are back into my favorite section, bloopers and blunders. What are the moo points? We've already talked a little bit about some moo points. We have hit on a couple. So one of the biggest ones was Joey explains to Ross that his mother was attractive to. <laughs> oh my gosh. That whole thing is like, so well, cute. What are, you, what are you saying about my mom? It's like, we were talking about your mom. I know. But I like how he referred to her. Did you catch this? He was like, what about Gloria Tribbiani? Yeah. And I was like, oh, I didn't even realize he called her by name. That's kind of cute. Yeah. Um, but then he says, hey, you think it's easy giving birth to seven children? There's eight. There's eight. It's Joey and his seven sisters. Do you think they just added another sister later because it sounds better to say seven sisters? maybe I don't know if that was like an oversight that they didn't realize he had said that because it's such a small line that they didn't even remember him saying it. Yeah. So I don't know why they decided on eight later down the line, but either way they do. So that's a little bit of a misstep there. Mm -hmm. Um, When the gang's eating at the restaurant and Nora's telling Rachel how to write a book, the amount of food on Rachel's plate changes between shots without her touching it. Like pretty surprised, pretty drastically anything with food and drink, like food and drink. It's the worst. So (laughs) I feel like this is obvious, but we just have to say it. Yeah. When a person is in a coma, yeah, there'd be a lot more things hooked up to him. And we were kind of talking about that. There's no way. That like the, they change his PJs. He would have had some sort of catheter because <laughs> yeah, if he's actually in a coma. And wouldn't there be things like monitoring his heart rate or. Yeah, there like, wasn't anything, right? He was just kind of. He was just kind of around. Gotta love TV, man. Glenn Agamemnon is just. Glenn kind of Agamemnon. <laughs> hanging out. Could you imagine? Oh, God, no. That is not on my baby name list. Take that off. <laughs> so the pantry. Yes. Is, yeah. Did you see that? Yes. I was like, there's a pantry there. Right. Okay. So I used to think that it was like in the wall and somehow they got rid of it. And I'm like, Joey and Chandler's apartment. Sorry. We should have oh, yeah. for that. We both know where we're going. <laughs> yes. It's like we have ESPN or something. ESPN. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Joey and Chandler's apartment, when you walk in the door to the right where the fridge is, there is a pantry right mm-hmm. there along the wall. Mm-hmm. And I used to think that that was like built in. And so during this rewatch, when I saw that this episode, I was like, oh, that's not built in. It's a bookshelf. Yes. So it makes total sense. Eventually it gets removed. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And it, I like it better when it's not there. Cause it is their apartment. I was noticing this episode is so cluttered. They have like a little table at the end of the, like counter like they have so much shit they do and then they have that uh bench is still there the weight bench i'm like yeah. when does that go away because it goes away and this is only i think the second time we're in their apartment yeah i think so we will get into their apartment a lot more but it's in it's interesting now that we're paying attention watching the apartment change and evolve with joey and chandler yeah there's a lot more that you're like huh that's weird i didn't mm-hmm. remember that last time so yeah the pantry ends up becoming no more at some point. So we're going to pay attention to when that goes. Bye-bye. It is distracting. Yeah. No hard bloopers. Which, uh, Like I said, they're all too afraid to fuck up. No, they just, they worked really hard. I love that though. I think that that's really cool. It's instead of it being like, oh, they weren't sure about the pilot and if this is going to take off so they didn't save them. It's more like, no, they really wanted this to be yeah. something big. And let me tell you, like, here we are. What is this? Holy crap. 30 Years later, 1994, yeah, almost, almost 29 years later, talking about friends. Like, yeah. so that doesn't happen. 
with every show. No. And it just goes back to the point that like they all knew it was special too. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like whenever I see something, like I said, that they didn't think it was special. Like, no. Matt Perry calls it out that like this is the hottest show before it even aired. And Mm -hmm. then it aired and they just boom. Like they were between Mad About You and Seinfeld. Their first episode, they only dropped off 20% of the Mad About You audience, which is really good. Mm -hmm. And he said by season, by episode six, they were beating the Mad About You audience. Holy cow. And Mad About You was hot. Yeah. It was a big show, actually. Shout out to my mama, who was like, yeah, I remember Mad About You. We used to be really into that. That's Helen Hunt, right? We talked about that? Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. Just making sure. Yes. (laughs) All right. We have got some fashions, though. Lord, do we have fashions. <laughs> I went to a deep dive about berets. Oh my God, did you or did you not? Like, holy cow, your deep dive. I, you guys, I can't wait for you to hear all of this from T. I was just like, I was just like, okay, keep it, keep it, keep it light. And I was like, there's so much history on the beret. <laughs> Why am I talking about the beret? Monica and Phoebe's hats in the intro, super cute. Yes, it's a, um, Phoebe's is very Blossom-esque to me. Who's Blossom? You don't remember Blossom? It's um like a cabbage patch? No, Blossom is uh Melissa um Joan Hart. Is it isn't it? Who? Oh my god, she's Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Her name is Blossom? She Her name in- is Sabrina. Oh my god. Okay. No. <laughs> Hang on. Let okay, me look who up who the Blossom. fuck is Blossom. Blossom Anyways, was an early show in the 90s, I Blossom. believe. Okay. You google that. We'll come back Let to that. Let me talk about berets. So Monica is wearing a beret. And I was like, hmm, when did the beret come into town? So I saw a lot of stuff on the internet. And granted, always take it with a grain of salt because the internet, right? So archaeologists found traces of hats similar to the beret inside the Bronze Age, which is 3200 to 600 BC. And then, so they found the berets inside tombs in Italy and Denmark as well as depicted in sculptures and paintings across Western Europe. Absolutely insane. That's crazy. cannot believe this. History. It's history. I know. Next big point, 14th and 15th centuries berets, which weren't known as berets, but simply felt hats. They had effectively permeated Europe's farming and uh, artist classes. So like the poor people. Yes. Like it was a poor people's thing. Yeah, it's a kind of a a symbol type thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then... um, the word beret, which is originally French in origin, it was first documented in 1835. So the word was first documented in 1835. And it originates from the Latin word beritum. Ooh. And the term berineus beret refers to a flat wooden cap worn by local peasants. Flat woolen cap worn by local peasants. Oh my gosh, that is yeah, so crazy. Peasant fashion. But of course, as all things... Peasant fashion turns chic. <laughs> so in the uh, 1920s, in Paris, artists, poets, and writers, and singers and movie stars, from Ernest Hemingway to singer Edith Piaf, my favorite, yes. um, they were all seen wearing the felt cap, which signaled a type of bohemian chicness. Ooh, bohemian chicness. Yes, that's yeah. exactly how I would describe it. Yeah. So there's your history lesson in five seconds on the beret. Welcome to... <laughs> French history with Tiana and Natalie. Okay, sure. I, I took a French history class. I believe it. You, I think <laughs> in another life, you were a French woman sitting in a courtyard with a wine, of, a wine of glass, a glass of wine with a beret, with a little beret, with a cigarette, 
mm. telling everybody to fuck off. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I have to go who, back to Blossom. Who is really Blossom? Quick. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I messed this up. It's Mayambolic from. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let me show you. So that's Blossom. Oh. And Joey Lawrence. Yeah. One of the three Lawrence brothers. Yeah. Was that's was his big hit was Blossom. Was Blossom? Yeah. Was that post um, Mrs. Doubtfire? Was he? He wasn't in Mrs. Doubtfire. His I brother was. Jonathan Taylor. Who's the other Lawrence brother? Matthew Lawrence and then oh. Andrew Lawrence is the youngest one. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow, that's sad. I just knew that. Like, just pull that Thank right you. out of the who was right in the Boy, memory banks. Who was in Boy Meets World? Oh. None? Matthew Lawrence, right? Yes. With Mr. Feeney? Oh, my God. Boy Meets World is such a classic. Oh, Boy team. Meets World is... It is Matthew Lawrence. Yes, okay. Yes. Matthew Lawrence is in Boy Meets World. Mm-hmm. But anyway... But I think he's in later. The Yes, he does come in later. But the, the Blossom hat is... Like a toned down version on Phoebe, a toned down blossom hat. Yes, but my embolic. Oh my god, me embolic, my embolic. Meam- I know how to- me embolic, my embolic. She's amazing. Sounds like you're saying metabolic now. Metabolic. She would know what that means because she's a freaking like neurophysicist, dude. She is genius. She is, which is why her whole time on Big Bang Theory was ironic, is because she actually. I know she's actually smart. Yeah, she probably knew everything that they were talking about. Yeah. Love a smart actor with some brains. Yes. Okay. Now that Fashion Watch has turned into History Watch, <laughs> let's get back to it. Phoebe's mint and brown striped shirt. Ugh. Disgusting. Gross. Disgusting. No, 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 no. Um, Nora Bing. Nora Bing. Her whole outfit, like the whole episode, her outfits are so good. Oh my gosh, yes. The only criticism. <gasps> I know. What? Don't at me. But... <laughs> The only criticism I have is, and this is very, like we were talking about, it's a very Dallas style. Yeah. The outfit that she has at the end, the big, like, button down. No, the white white long sleeve and flowy pants. Love it. But she has this huge, chunky necklace. And I'm just like, oh, I hate that It's pretty gaudy. It's too gaudy. And it's just that, that's not, no, I couldn't do it. No, but the out- outfit itself. Oh, okay. I was love. like, how can you criticize? So let's go through them. She's got that gold suit while she's a uh, gold suit set while she's on Jay Leno. So sexy. Good. The geometric dress at the Mexican restaurant. I threw this in because it's just cool. It's like a little bit of 80s, which I kind yes. of like. So it's, but it's just enough where it's mm-hmm. not gaudy. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm down with that. And the fit is phenomenal on mm-hmm. her. And then at the end, we talked about it the long white ensemble yeah which it's interesting like how long that top is on her you wouldn't think that like flowy underneath that would work but it does she pulls it off she really does she pulls it off this is also the episode of the suit jacket good lord you are right Paolo, on this one chandler ross they're all fucking wearing suit jackets mm-hmm. it's becoming the thing it's also the episode of the robe okay now what do you think about this that gold robe of rachel's yeah beautiful yeah is that the same robe that Monica has just in gold? Because Monica's got that red robe, oh, remember? I don't think so. I'm going to watch for that now. Let's watch for that. Because mm-hmm. it looks super similar, but I love that gold robe. I don't remember that gold robe coming back. No, I don't like, either. Kind of The it. red robe comes back, but the gold robe definitely does not. No, it does Which not. is a shame. It is. It's beautiful. Yes. Um, also, on the other side of that, Joey's got a nice checkered robe. Nice comfy cozy. Yeah, it looks good. I like it. Guys in a robe. I like it. Yeah. It's not bad. No. 
Next up, apron watch. <laughs> Rachel's got a really cute red patchwork apron. I'm going to miss when she's no longer at the coffee shop. I'm going to miss the aprons. I know. No one has so styled cute. a better apron. No. And I would never have thought about it until like rewatching this. Now I'm like, oh, yeah. Apron. Yeah. This is like it's a whole fashion ensemble is her apron. Mm-hmm. Um, are we at the point of the Rachel haircut? No. No, you don't think so? No, I even <gasps> thought today, I was like, we took a step back. Oh, okay. Because she it's it was fluffier. It was really fluffy. And it was very fluffy. It's not, the, to me, the Rachel haircut is styled to perfection. Mm. It's just at the shoulders. It's got the bang. It's mm. got the body. This was like a little out of mess chaotic. A little bit. Yeah, it was just, it was Like we styled. forgot the smoothing serum today. Th- that's exactly what it was. It was just super poofy. Yeah. Yeah, did not like that very much. And yeah, the layers, her when it's the real Rachel, it's like the layers mm-hmm. fall just right. Yes. Yes. So, I yeah, I was confused. I was like, who is doing her hair? We have taken a step back. <laughs> but uh Rachel's at the end red overall dress. Okay. Do you like this? No. Okay, thank you. <laughs> did you notice this? No. Okay, what? so it's when she's handing her manuscript to everybody and everybody's making fun of her. Yeah. And it is, it. I don't know if it's corduroy or not, but it is an overall dress. Like, it's full length. And I was just like, oh, I know. And she's got a burgundy shirt underneath it. So it's very red. Oh and I'm just like, we don't have a lot of Rachel fashion offenders offenses. This, that's bad it was really bad you got to go back and watch this one I have to look at that but speaking of red yeah i did notice the red backpack this you time. noticed the okay uh, right it's so good it is so good it is not like a tiny little thing and it, it is like a a whole food size beautiful red leather beautiful bag red leather bag mm-hmm. yeah all right well this was definitely a long episode because we've got matthew perry's book we've got listener opinions so let's wrap this up who is your best friend? So my best friend actually is Joey. No way. Yes, I know. Joey really doesn't ever get my best friend mug, but mm-hmm. um, he held Ross accountable. I mean, he's like, nah, dude, you got to, do you really want his mom to come in and tell him? No, you need to hear, he needs to hear it from you. And he like pushes him to it and then he gets mad at him too. I know. So, yeah. Joey gets my best friend mug. I could not agree more. Joey gets my best friend mug. <gasps> Yay. I think this is the first time either of us has given Joey the best friend mug, right? I, th- I think you've given Joey the best friend mug one other time because he was a good supportive friend, but I, th- I didn't. I thought that was Chandler or Ross. Was it? We're going to have to go back in the archives. <laughs> but we don't even know what we've done. Um, <laughs> yeah, Joey, I mean, he is he is awesome because he does hold Ross accountable. You can start to see a little bit softer side. He's got, like, he loves his mom, obviously, Mrs. Tribbiani Gloria. And I do think there is an honorable mention to, um... oh, wait, no. <gasps> wait. My best friend, I lied. <gasps> Bendy rules. I lied. I take it back. I'm sorry. Joey is my honorable mention. Okay. I don't even know what I do anymore. Chandler is my best friend. Oh. Because he stood up and and talked to his mom and had an insanely hard conversation. I would... I will do that where I will give Chandler my honorable mention. Here I'm going that. on and on about fucking Joey as my best friend. He's not even my best friend. Chandler is. 
Wow. But honorable men- mention to Joey yes. for that point. Mm-hmm. Um, this might be easy. Who is your taking your wind? Ross. Yes, Ross. Oh, my God. Anybody you but Ross. You kiss your mom. Your I would mom be friend's in, best mom. I'd be in shock if you chose anybody else. Like, seriously? You, there is nobody else. There is nobody else. Like, can't get mad at Rachel for, like, smooching with Paolo. No. Because that's her, that's her boy toy right now. Like, yeah. No. Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. That was the one with Mrs. Bing. Not a bing. Not a bing. Well, thank you so much for listening, you guys. This is the Pivot Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow along on Instagram at the Pivot Pod. We're going to start doing some polls here. Nat and I disagree, and so we want to. We need our listeners to split the tie. Yeah, guys, come on and watch it. What we got over on uh, the gram. Instagram. You can also email us don't take my wind at gmail.com with all your questions, comments, and thoughts. Maybe a concern or two. We'll take it. Sure. All right. Bye. Bye.